so tonight we're going to be continuing our series asking big questions about God. Tonight is really a continuation of last week's. So I just sort of sort of opened this up for the first time, and um, I just feel like as I begin that I need to say these are not questions that I was asking when I was your age. They're not questions that really anybody around me was asking, and so. Um, you know, this, this may be flying over your heads. This may be, uh, hitting you where you are, you know, really asking. Um, but part of why I'm excited to share is because that, because I just, I wasn't, when I was going to youth group, these questions weren't the questions that were being addressed. So I hope that as we go through them, um, that they're, that, that you're learning and I'm, would love to hear if you've got ideas or if you've got thoughts or if you think I'm, totally missing the point or, you know, whatever you want to tell me, that would be great. Um, last week, we looked at the question. It started with a question that, that a journalist was asking, which is, I get love your neighbors yourself, but why this thing about loving God? Like, what, what is God? Why is God so needy? Why does he need us to, to, to worship him? And that was sort of the jumping off point. I talked about how uh, it's a similar question to ask about why is God a jealous God? Why isn't jealousy wrong? And we talked about how there, there's this, this, there is this kind of jealousy, which is actually a good thing. Um, and that's the kind of jealous love that God has for us. And so, um, and, and, we, and we talked a little bit about what it means to, to share in Jesus's glory. So we're going to continue that um, this week, and I'm going to try to dig a little bit deeper into this question because I do think it's important. I think it's important that we understand this, this question because if we believe that we're following a God who is just sort of needy and, and, and we don't, it doesn't make any sense, um, then, then, it's, then we're, just, it's, it's, we're not getting started in the right, in the right foot. So the question that we're looking at this week, again, is uh, why, what, what happened? Okay, there it is. Jack's just sharing his inner monologue with us from the back room. That's always good, always good to know, the inner monologue. Uh, But this is the question, why does God need us to love him? And uh, the answer that I have for you this week that I'm going to unpack is this. God doesn't need us to love him. He invites us to love him because that's where we will find the most joy possible. God doesn't need us to love him. God doesn't need anybody or anything. God doesn't, doesn't, isn't deficient in any manner. But rather, he invites us to love him because that's where we will find the most joy possible. And we're going to get into this a little bit more. But the first thing that we need to understand is uh, what is the role of Jesus in this? Because if we're at a Christian church, then Jesus has to play a part. And we talked a little bit about how uh, the, the victory of Jesus, we, we get to, to partake in that and in, in the glory. But there's just one verse that I want to bring out. There are a hundred verses I could have brought out that as Jesus the words that he says on this topic, but a verse that I learned early on that has stuck with me, I didn't have to look it up because I know it, is that uh, in John 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he's comparing himself to the thief. He says, the thief comes to, to kill and to steal and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
And in fact, uh, when I was in college, uh, we, were, we, we started a Christian group on our campus at, at uh, DePaul University, and uh, we started our meetings at 10 p.m. because I was, in, I, had, I was a theater major, we had rehearsal till 10. So our meetings started at 10, and our t-shirt said, we have more fun after 10 p.m. than most people have all day. And, uh, and, and there was a verse on there that said, uh, I've come that they may have abundant life. And so uh, I believe this. I believe that when we follow Jesus, Jesus' words in Scripture are full of promises. And so when he promises that he comes to give life, abundant life, to his followers, we can believe that. And so there is joy in following Jesus. And uh, when, we, when we follow anyone else, we will be disappointed. When we follow Jesus, he gives abundant life. Uh, there's no easy transition to this next question because the next issue that I want to talk about is the purpose of life. So, um, you know, well, let's just dig into it, right? So I didn't think about these things when I was in high school, right? The purpose of my life in high school was just like, who's the cute girl that I'm, you know, sort of have a crush on this week? And, uh, uh, yeah, I was, listen, I'm just going to be real. I had a lot of crushes on a lot of girls when I was in high school, and uh, maybe not, that's an exaggeration, but there were a lot of, I didn't date a lot of girls, but I liked a lot of girls, okay? They may or may not have liked me back, so that's just what's going to happen. In fact, the first girl I ever asked to go with me, that's what you did in sixth grade, I asked her to go with me, and she didn't get back to me. She's still, I'm still waiting to hear back from her, so... Just, that's just what you said. Will you go with me? That's just what you said. And I know it's dating or go out. In 1984 or whatever year it was, it was go with me. And as I said, still waiting to hear back from her on that one. She's going to get back to me anytime, I'm sure. Anyway, um, but those, those were the things I cared about. That, that was sort of the purpose of my life. What I could, could you know, girls and and being in school plays and sort of what was that just just kind of what was right in front of me was what I cared about. I wasn't asking big questions like this. But it but my senior year in high school, uh, my life did change and I've shared this story on a number of occasions. I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but basically God, I encountered God in a way I never understood God before. I I, I came to understand that God was a God of, of, of power, that he was a living God, not just a God that you read about in the Bible. And all of a sudden I realized that I was living my whole life with me at the center and that God is at the center of everything. He is the, he is the, the, the beginning and the end. Uh, our participation in his story is a, a very small part of what has gone on forever in the past and what will go on forever in the future. And so it makes only, the only thing that ever makes sense is when we can understand life lived with God at the center and, and us sort of getting to play a part in his story. So in that moment in my, my senior year in high school, it was like the people who discovered that, uh, that the earth revolves around the sun and not the other way around. Prior to whatever that date was in human history, everybody believed that the earth was at the center and the, the sun revolved around us and somebody would like raise their hand in you know, science class one day, Copernicus, and was like, uh, actually, it's the other way around. And then I think somebody got killed for it. Anyway, so uh, this is in history class, but it's the same idea. It happened to me, and I realized in that moment that I was living with me at the center, and God had to be at the center. And so 
if someone had even asked me this question or brought up the idea of what's the purpose of life, I certainly didn't, wouldn't have had an answer, and I wouldn't have been able to even process what I'm about to tell you, which is, um, it was not something that I have made up, but almost 400 years ago, a bunch of guys that are, you know, dead, they're currently dead, but they were alive back then, and they did something called a catechism. And a catechism is a question and answer way of learning about faith. And so this, was, this is called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And the very first question, so it's just it's catechism. Some of you might have gone, does anybody know that word, catechism? Some of you have gone, yes, okay. You, so you've grown up in settings where you've had catechism. You've got a question, you've got an answer. You've got a question, you've got an answer. And you, and you, you memorize these things. So the first question... Of the, of the shorter Westminster Shorter Catechism written in the 1640s, the question is, what is the chief end of man, which I love. I love that they're asking deep questions, and it's question one. They're trying to figure out, what is the purpose of humankind? It, man doesn't mean man, it means humankind, but back then, that's what man meant. What is the chief end of man? And they said, question one, we're going to address it right now, right here, today, Here's the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So if you uh, wonder what the people for the 400, last 400 years that have been answering, this is one way to answer that question. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty good answer. It's a pretty good answer uh, as far as I'm concerned of what we are here for. It's a lot of other things, but what we're here for is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So let's break that down. What does that mean to glorify God? We don't um, talk about glory. The word glorify, I was trying to remember, think about in what context do I use the word glorify? And the only context that I could think of is when I use the word glorify in um, regular life has to do with television shows that glorify things that we don't want glorified. Like I'll talk about how, well, that show just glorifies Violence. That's sort of the only thing that I could come up with. So we think about it in more of a negative way. Well, what do we mean when we say that TV show glorifies violence? What it means is that this TV show makes much of violence. It makes us think that violence is great. Okay. So if we think about what that, how that relates to, if we are, if our, if our end is to glorify God, what it means is that we are the, we are here to make. God look great. We are here to make much of God. That's what glorifying means. So it's glorifying God to make much of God and, it says, to enjoy him forever. Um, Now that's interesting to me as well. I think it's really important that they didn't just end it with glorifying God, just sort of like this cold hearted thing of just like, we'll just make much of God and then that's it. But rather they said, no, we are to enjoy God forever. It connects to our our emotions, our affections, that we are to enjoy God. And remember what I said before when I asked the question, um, what is it that we are, um, why does God need us to worship him? And I said that God doesn't need us to worship him, but he invites us to worship him because that's where we will find the most joy possible. I don't know if you know this or not about you and me, humans in general, but we are after joy. We are after pleasure. It's why we do things. There's another uh, old, old dead guy who says 
that everyone seeks happiness. No matter what we do, his name's uh, Blaise Pascal. He said, everything, everything we do, we all seek to be happy. No matter what we do, what, some by going to war, some by avoiding it, all of our actions have this in mind, our own happiness. When you think about it, if you're sort of, you know, if you're like, oh, no, that's not me. I'm just thinking of others all the time. And maybe so. You know, maybe some of you are, well, I, you're better than me because I'm thinking about me mostly when I'm thinking about things. And, like, I think about food a lot. I think about, uh, like, my next meal. I think about lunch a lot. I really like lunch, you know? And I, like, when I'm, when I'm planning a lunch with someone, sometimes if it's, like, two weeks out, I don't want to plan where we're going to meet two weeks out because I want to see how I'm feeling, like, the day before and based on, like, what I've had that previous day and maybe I'm not feeling, like, mean wiener tacos because I just had them, you know? I don't want to necessarily eat that too many times, so I, don't, I, I want to sort of give my... What, why am I planning all of this? Well... Because I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about my happiness. I'm thinking about my joy. Think about when you, when you buy things. Um, and again, this is not, it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with seeking joy and seeking happiness in life. It's just how we are naturally wired to seek happiness in the choices that we make. And What's interesting about there's some other religions who would say that those desires are wrong. Those desires are bad. No, no, no. You're supposed to push those down. And what Christianity says is, no. That, that joy that you seek is not to be diminished, but rather it's to be heightened. It's to be taken to its most extreme possible. So... This may sound strange, but your pursuit of pleasure is something that God wants from you. So I don't know if you've heard the term hedonism, but it's not a term that you hear a lot in church. Hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure. And most of us, when we think about a hedonist, one who pursues pleasure, we look down on that person. If you're a good Christian and you're like, I can't believe that person, it's just a hedonist all that person cares about is just me, me, me. All I want is just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, all I do is I pursue pleasure in everything. And we think that's wrong. And obviously there is a sense in which if all you're doing is pursuing everything just for yourself, it is. But um, someone came along about 25, 30 years ago and, and sort of turned this on its head and said, actually, there is a thing called Christian hedonism. A pastor named John Piper and he said, if you, uh, you're actually not, and before him, he actually grabbed onto thoughts that C.S. Lewis had before him. That Christian hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure in God, is actually something that will lead to your greatest joy, and it's something that God wants. And so he says, uh, he picks up on the, the language of C.S. Lewis, who you guys, many of you know, C.S. Lewis, he wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Incredible Guy. He gets quoted around here a lot. But uh, there's a very famous quote that he has, and I'm going to read it to you, and many of you have heard it before, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. He says this. He says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. 
okay? We think that our desires, our sinful desires, are, are too strong, and we're supposed to like, not have those desires. C.S. Lewis says, no, 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 it's the, actually the opposite. Your desires are too weak. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. The first time you hear this quote, maybe you've heard this a bunch, but the first time you hear this quote, I hope perhaps for some of you it is, this might be the first time you've ever thought about that. It's not that we want too much. It's actually that we want too little. It's that we say, no, I'm good. I'm good. And in some ways, you know, think back to my sort of high school self where I think, oh, just having like crushes on girls and just sort of trying to get a good part in a play is like, yeah, that's it, man. That's it. If I could just have that, that's all. That's going to make me happy. When there's, there's a lot more out there for you. And this image of a child who says, oh, we want to get you, we want to take you on this incredible vacation. And the child goes, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that is. I'm good, I'm good. We do that so often. We, just, we say, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. This is fine, this is okay. And we can do that in our relationship with God. God says, you are not wanting enough out of life. I want to give you more. He says, worship me, put me first, love me, because I have more for you, not less. We, we think that it has to do with we're, 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 wanting, um, we're wanting stuff and we're supposed to want less than that. God says, no, want more. Because when you seek pleasure in me, you will find incredible joy. And the way that John Piper talks about it um, is sort of a, a nice sentence that I've found really helpful in my life. And then we're going we're gonna to close with a, a, a verse. And then we're going to come back up and, and sing one final song. But he summarizes it this way. He said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us, so we seek to glorify him when we are most satisfied in him. So he says it's actually one thing happening. Not, it's not that we glorify God over here and enjoy God in, in, in two things. He says we glorify God by enjoying him. When we find our deepest longings satisfied in God, and not in other things. Everybody wins. God is glorified, and we are satisfied. Again, we sometimes think that the point of a Christian life, I think if you had asked me this when I was in high school, I would have thought, well, it's not about me. It's just, it just has to be about God. I'm not, I'm not supposed to care about myself. And what the, what the scriptures say, and what Paul says in this verse that we're about to read is, no, it, it all works together when we give God our lives, and when we, when we show his glory and his goodness to the world, 
That's where we find our greatest satisfaction. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, says it this way. He says in verse 20, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he's saying, look, I just want Christ to be exalted in my body. I want my body to show the excellency of Christ, not to his shame, not out of duty either. He says he eagerly expects, hopes to have Christ exalted in his body. He is engaging with his emotions. He is taking his heart's deepest longings. And Paul tried religion and didn't find it there. And and many of us will do the same thing. We will try relationships, and we'll try in ambition, and we will try in uh, parties, and they will satisfy for a little while, but ultimately they won't deliver. We will be empty. It's only when we say fully, yes, God, nothing else matters, nothing else truly satisfies. When I come to you and put my hope and my faith fully in you, you are the one that truly satisfies me. And, and as I'm satisfied, you get glory. And as you get glory, I find satisfaction. So this thing happens over and over again um, when we will trust him for that. And then what happens? Then when we put it all to rest and say, God, you are the center of my life and I find joy in you, then all that other stuff, so the blessings of this life, we can enjoy them the way they're meant to be enjoyed. We can enjoy the gifts that life has to bring because we're not, we're not worshiping them. It's when we worship God's gifts that they don't make sense, they don't satisfy us. But when we worship God, then the gifts that he brings us in life can be enjoyed in their proper place. So, what am I saying? God invites you to worship him, not because he's needy or like a jealous boyfriend or girlfriend. He, he looks at the life you have, the one life that you've been given. And he says, if you want it to work the right way, worship me. If you want to find joy and not sadness, love me. If you want to find meaning and purpose and find that you're, you're not wasting the one life that you've been given, give that life to me and I will make it count. Let's pray. Don't worry about it, Siri.